Today's date is Sunday, January 16th, 2022. We are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, beginning on page 50 with actually, we are fooling ourselves to the end of the chapter, We Agnostics. Karen C. will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Rob H. Good morning, Karen. Hi. Hi, Ksenia. Thank you. This is Karen C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I'll be reading from page 55 to the end of the chapter. Actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or another, it is there for faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. He was a, as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It was so with us. We can only clear the ground a bit. If our testimony helps sweep away prejudice, enables you to think honestly, encourages you to search diligently within yourself, then if you wish, you can join us on the broad highway. With this attitude, you cannot fail. The consciousness of your belief is sure to come to you. In this book, you will read the experience of a man who thought he was an atheist. His story is so interesting that some of it should be told now. His change of heart was dramatic, convincing, and moving. Our friend was a minister's son. He attended church school where he became rebellious at what he thought an overdose of religious education. For years thereafter, he was dogged by trouble and frustration. Business failure, insanity, fatal illness, suicide. These calamities in his immediate family embittered and depressed him. Post-war disillusionment, ever more serious alcoholism, impending mental and physical collapse brought him to a point of self-destruction. One night when confined in a hospital, he was approached by an alcoholic who had known a spiritual experience. Our friend's gorge rose as he bitterly cried out. If there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. But later, alone in his room, he asked himself this question. Is it possible that all the religious people I have ever known are wrong? While pondering the answer, he felt as though he lived in hell. Then, like a thunderbolt, a great thought came. It crowded out all else. Who are you to say there is no God? The man recounts that he tumbled out of bed to his knees. In a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by a conviction of the presence of God. It poured over and through him with the certainty and majesty of a great tide at flood. The barriers he had built through the years were swept away. He stood in the presence of infinite power and love. He had stepped from bridge to shore. For the first time, he lived in conscious companionship with his creator. Thus was our friend's cornerstone fixed in place. No later vicissitude has shaken it. His alcoholic problem was taken away. That very night, years ago, it disappeared. 
save for a few brief, brief no moments of temptation, the thought of drink has never returned. And at such times, a great revulsion has risen up in him. Seemingly, he could not drink even if he would. God has re had restored his sanity. What is this but a miracle of healing? Yet its elements are simple. Circumstances made him willing to believe. He humbly offered himself to his maker. Then he knew. Even so, has God restored us all to our right minds? To this man, the revelation was sudden, but some of us grow into it more slowly. But he has come to all who have honestly sought him. When we drooped near to him, he disclosed himself to us. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks for reading, Karen. And now it's my pleasure to introduce Rob H., who will be sharing his experience, strength, and hope as it relates to these pages. Hi, Rob. Hi, Ksenia. <clears throat> Hi, Ksenia. Thank you so very much. Uh, appreciate everyone, Kim and everyone who uh, invited me to the, join this meeting today. Grateful to be here. Uh, I'm Rob, I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, abstinent since April of 2018 and uh, grateful for that. Um, this is a fantastic topic. I relate to it very strongly. Um, I'll share a little bit of my experience and then obviously get into some strength and then wrap it up with some hope. Uh, and uh, kind of go in that order. Um, so I was born to a single mom and uh, my parents, uh, my biological parents never married. And I was put up for adoption at a, uh, at, as an infant and uh, brought home by a young couple, uh, Easter Sunday, 1969. Um, they, uh, they were young and they were still having fun. So a lot of my earliest memories were a lot of parties at our house and, um, you know, uh, it's the 70s, the music was good, the heels were high and, the, you know, the drinks were flowing. And uh, so a lot of times I'd go down and, and hang out and be the little mascot of the party and, and uh, of course, have a few drinks too, along with them. Um, but, uh, you know, flash forward, um, a lot of those parties later ended in uh, a lot of screaming, a lot of yelling. Um, my parents divorced when I was 11. Uh, my mom and I moved out and uh, that kind of began the, uh, the rounds. We moved quite a bit, um, but, but tried to keep me in the same school district. So grateful for that. Um, I, uh, you know, uh, grew up, I guess, like every American kid these days or back then on hot dogs and mac and cheese. You know, that was kind of the, the norm, uh, you know, cold cut sandwiches and, and chips and the standard American fare, you know. Um, uh, drinking and uh, became a bigger and bigger part of my life. Um, you know, I fell kind of into that into that party scene pretty quickly. I promised I wasn't going to drink, but that that promise was quickly forgotten. And um, and I was off and running pretty much uh, throughout my teenage years and into college and through college. Um, you know, weekends and Wednesdays, of course, Wednesday was the start of the weekend, of course. And, and uh, you know, that was uh, pretty much the norm going through, um, you know, uh, just, of course, food went hand in hand with that, you know, and at the time, it just was normal for me to, um, 
you know, to uh, go through that process. And, um, you know, I, I just, I just loved everything about it. Uh, we had, uh, you know, of course, food was very plentiful at the, um, in college and, and, uh, you know, at the after parties and at the, you know, the pizza parlor and, and uh, I'm gaining more weight. Of course, I'm drinking more beer. I'm blaming it on the beer and, and, uh, you know, um, the, uh, uh, by that, by that time, you know, I'm, I'm a full-blown alcoholic. I've been through car accidents and right back at it and broke my neck and started right up again and didn't phase me, kept right on rolling. Um, didn't even think about quitting one time. I graduated from, uh, university, came back to hometown and, and, uh, started my fabulous career in telemarketing. Um, any telemarketers in the crowd? It's a fun crowd. They like to party, like to have a good time, uh, you know, and, but eventually, uh, you know, after a couple more car accidents, uh, I woke up on a December morning, um, 22nd, 1991. Uh, and I knew I couldn't go on like that anymore and, uh, jumped into, uh, eventually jumped into AA, uh, got sober and have stayed sober ever since. So I've got to celebrate 30 years of sobriety on uh, December 22nd and 91. So, um, I have to tell that story because without that story, I would never come to OA. I guarantee you that, uh, without being sober and in recovery. But I'll tell you what, I didn't, I heard about OA in the nineties and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, as I get, got sober and, you know, food is a normal part of, of life and, you know, and, and, uh, I guess, I don't know, I don't want to call it switched addictions. I don't, I don't like to use those words because really for me, it's the same brain trying to kill me in a different way. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> of course you know, um, I, I made a, I met a, a lady at work and we got engaged and we got married and we had a baby and now I'm eating for three. And so, you know, bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches, one for me, you know, two for her, two for her, three for me, you know, it, it just, I'm, I'm gaining more and more weight. So, um, you know, by the, uh, nineties, um, I'm starting to try different fad diets and, uh, I guess the first one that was pretty serious was our, our friend, Dr. Atkins, um, you know, got, got on that one and, and I loved it, uh, you know, but eventually you get tired of eating like that. People say, eh, it's not good for you and all these things. And, you know, I'm listening to that and I'm hearing that's going in and, and, uh, eventually I throw that out the window. Uh, the next big, uh, effort, uh, to kind of control the weight, uh, was Weight Watchers, um, I, uh, I was, I was, I jumped into Weight Watchers and did very well, lost a bunch of weight, kept it off for years. And, um, but eventually what my experience was, is that, uh, the termites of my disease ate away whatever foundation that I had, um, that was keeping me, um, on that program. And then I lost all willingness to do it. I, I couldn't, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't start, I couldn't track, I couldn't write, I couldn't do any of it. And uh, I just, you know, because I did have success and had gotten to lifetime and was free, now I have to start paying again. And that just contributed to the, you know, the downfall of whatever willingness that I had at the time to do it. And eventually I threw it all out 
window and gained back every kind of 75 pounds that I had lost. And, um, and then just went on my way, at, like I had never done that, you know, and, but was unhappy, you know, uh, the sleep apnea, the CPAP machine, the, the pain, um, and all the, you know, worries about health consequences and not being able to keep, um, you know, I couldn't do it. And so um, one day I'd had enough and uh, of myself and this and, and just unhappiness with my uh, condition. And I, um, I came to my mind and I said, all right, that's it. If you can't go back to Weight Watchers and get back on their program, you're going to OA. <laughs> and this is me talking to me like a crazy person. And uh, I, uh, you know, and I remember hearing about OA back in the 90s, but I was just unwilling to do what they were doing. They were in OA How, and they were telling me about what they were doing, and it scared me. And but yet it fascinated me. They'd said something like that food was like cardboard, that it lost all the emotional appeal, all the hook that it had. And um, that stuck in the back of my mind. And, you know, and I didn't think about it maybe ever after that conversation, but it came to my mind that day. And uh, so I went back to Weight Watchers one more time, one more failure. And, um, you know, I could, again, I couldn't even start. I couldn't even do anything that they want you to do. And, um, and so I said, all right, that's it. You're going, you said you'd do it. You're, you're going to OA. And so here I am, I, I look it up, I find the meeting. I, I am making myself go. I am driving across town with my knuckles on the steering wheel, white, you know, forcing myself to go. I sit in the back of the room. I am not happy to be there. I got my arms crossed. I am mad that I'm going to this meeting. And by the way, at this time, I'm about 20 years sober in, in AA. And yet I didn't realize that I was totally powerless over food. Totally powerless. And yet I just, I couldn't, you know, see it. But when I got to OA, I, I really identified with the people in OA and they were talking about recovery and they were talking about the book and they were talking about 12-step recovery and all of those things that I know so well. I had all the knowledge, but I couldn't apply it in my life. I just couldn't apply it in my life. And for me, that's insanity to know, but not be able to do. And so, um, and, and then get this. So I, I had gotten sober since my first meeting of AA, but yet I struggled over and over and over again in OA. I could not get started. Um, I got a sponsor. I didn't listen to him. I went to meetings and then I quit. I, um, you know, I took somewhat steps towards, uh, some of the steps, but never really started. Um, I tried switching sponsors. I tried switching groups. I, I so I struggled in OA for about three and a half years of going to meetings off and on. And, and there I, I really gained a lot of empathy for, um, newcomers in AA that, that struggled with, recovery. you know, where I hadn't been able to really identify with somebody like that before I gained a lot of, um, I guess, empathy is what I gained because of my own struggles. 
And so what happened was I had a friend of mine who uh, I had the same AA sponsor with, and he came back to OA and um, I saw him get a sponsor. I saw him have success. I saw him stay in abstinent and he was talking about it. And, and uh, so after about, uh, you know, a couple of three months of this, uh, I said, all right, if you make it to 90 days, I'm going to ask you to be my sponsor. <laughs> and sure enough, uh, he made it to 90 days. And so I walked across the room and uh, it was a men's meeting. And uh, I, I just said, you know, I made myself say, will you be my sponsor? And he said, yep. And let's get together tomorrow. And here's what we're going to do. And we got together and talked about it. And he said to get the things that I needed and, and to, um, you know, and, and start uh, following this food plan. And I did, I, I jumped in uh, and started doing it and um, I got abstinent for real. And so between, um, uh, between, uh, you know, October of 14 and April of 15, I, I lost over 60 pounds um, and really established um, good solid abstinence, got started on the steps and went through uh, them with my sponsor and, and um, got involved in service work um, around that same time, helped start a meeting of OA and really wanted to bring some of the enthusiasm that I found in AA to, to an OA meeting. And, um, you know, we, uh, uh, we uh, kept that rolling. And, and uh, now uh, my abstinence date is not uh, October of 14. In, uh, in April of, of 18, uh, I was on a business trip and I got um, feeling sorry for myself. And um, I uh, started to uh, think, oh, this isn't going my way. And I went out for dinner and something was on my plate that was uh, not abstinent and I ate it and I knew it was not abstinent. And so I had to restart my abstinence state. And, um, but I'd rather have uh, a clean date than, you know, a lie. And so, um, I'm, I'm so grateful that, you know, I became um, willing to do that and, um, you know, and, and really jumped in with both feet for real and uh, have been absent ever since. Um, now the topic, uh, I guess I got a few minutes left, I hope. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll jump around to that now. You know, this topic I, I related very strongly to um, prior to coming to recovery, I consider myself an atheist as well. And uh, the main reason for that was, you know, I prayed at one time for something that I wanted for a relative to get well and they died. And, and, uh, and then that kind of set me on the path. And then, you know, I learned about history and, you know, and all the wars and, and the people that, um, that uh, started doing stuff, not good stuff based on their religion and, and the holy rollers and, uh, you know, the on and on and on. All the bad examples. I could try out all the bad examples. I was really good at looking at the bad examples. Um, and so what I needed to do, though, was I needed to take a look at my own personal beliefs. And it started with um, a, a little poem that I wrote. 
you know, I, I thought if there were a higher power, what would it be? And I wrote down some things that I thought weren't odd and uh, kind of a process of elimination. And then I wrote down some things that I thought might be God. And, um, and that was where it all started for me. And that was in the beginning of my AA recovery. I kept that, that same higher power, um, you know, and, and really um, uh, it's carried me through to this day. You know, I get it. If, if, if someone is struggling with that, I, I have a few things that I've learn to navigate. Um, I don't think I ever made it to a particular religion, but uh, I certainly found something that's working for me. And I, I love this, um, this line where it says, uh, what is this but a miracle of healing? Yet its elements are simple. Circumstances made him willing to believe. He humbly offered himself to his maker than he knew. And that circumstances made him willing to believe, you know, it wasn't that we... I come in here on a, uh, you know, uh, a pink cloud or um, I'm floating in the clouds. It's really, I'm getting beat down to a pulp. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of living like I'm living and I become open-minded. And really that open-mindedness is um, the key to step two for me is that, you know, my way is not working. Um, my way is killing me. Why not give it a try? I'm already here. And so if I'm not willing to be open-minded, then what am I doing here? I'm just, you know, kicking around. Um, I've had a couple of experiences recently with folks talking to me about this topic. And I know there's two problems with recovery. One, it's too religious. And then the other problem with recovery is it's not religious enough. And so you're really uh, caught both ways on something like that. You know, it's uh, it, it it doesn't fit a predetermined um, pathway necessarily. It's it's a little bit of a pick your own path, and I'm grateful that it's open like that. You know, that it's not something that um, I have to um, conform to somebody else's belief system. That I really can find a higher power that works for me, and um, you know, the promise that it says there that God restored us all to our right minds. That sounds pretty good to me. Um, and, you know, it, it really has um, worked for me. Today, I can um, abstain from food that, that um, you know, <laughs> that, I, that I have an allergic reaction to. Um, I can... Uh, follow a food plan. Uh, I can um, participate in my own recovery and I can try to help other people. Um, and, you know, that's based on uh, trying to live like my higher power would want me to live. Um, I'd, I'd say that, I don't know if I, how much time I got left to send you. Can you give me a, a, a message or something? Two minutes. Thank you. Um, I'd say the it isn't necessarily believing in something. It's trying to live in accordance to my own beliefs. That that's really if if I if I, I I'll tell you a quick story. I was talking to a kid one time, and he told me that his higher power was life. And I said, "Wow, that's a fantastic higher power. I love it." And I said, "Now wait a minute. Didn't you tell me about ten minutes ago you were trying to kill yourself?" He said, "Yeah." And I said, well, 
how exactly is trying to kill yourself in keeping with your belief in your higher power of life? I mean, that's not even, uh, you know, th that's the insanity is I, that I believe in life, but yet I'm not contributing to my own life. I'm trying to take my own life through, uh, in this case, compulsive overeating. I'm trying to shorten my life. And yet I, I don't want to shorten my life anymore. I want to protect my life. I want to live a long life. And, you know, I'm grateful for, for all of my friends that I've met in recovery and my sponsors and, uh, you know, being able to um, work this program that I love so much and that I just want to spend the rest of my life giving away and have it be applicable to food too. Um, last thing I'm going to say is something that, uh, that my friend Kevin said, he said, you know, you can go to AA and talk about alcohol, kick your butt, drugs, kick your butt, relationship, kick your butt, but it's darn difficult to go to AA and tell them that a buttered roll kicked your butt. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks.